This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Be Sotted Pride of West London podcast. A little bit of a new sounding host for a change. Um, Billy's been uh, placed in uh, tier three. He's, he's been quarantined. Um, I thought we'd give him a little bit of a rest. He's been pretty much non-stop, sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, all the way through. So uh, cheers, Bill. You've done an absolutely incredible job since uh, the season restarted. Um, you've been down the pub and been able to sort of interview everyone um we've been in kind of like smaller groups and it's you know you've, you've actually been out there uh speaking to more fans than i would have been able to so no it's been brilliant just to keep keep the the the, the um the podcast vibrant and keep it going so uh enjoy your week off you're probably watching england losing to denmark as we speak um with me tonight i'm dave lane but with me tonight i have matt the allard allard how are you matt yeah, I'm all right, Dave. Um, it's um, I was looking forward to a nice sort of couple of weeks off from football after that last game against Preston. Um, we, we all watched it together and um, I think after the game, I just didn't want to hear about football for two weeks and then get ready to go again. And then we got interrupted rudely, didn't we, at the weekend or maybe just before the weekend by the big fat picture project or whatever it was called. Um, so then I thought, oh, God, I better read about this because you're going to ask me about it at some point, probably Thanks. tonight. So, yeah, apart from that, all good. You? Yeah, I'm all right, I think. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, uh, I, th- I think like yourself, after that Preston defeat, we were quite happy just to go into lockdown again for another six months and not talk about football. But, uh, you know, we've, we've been able to have these probably two best part of two weeks off not worrying about the bees. So uh, hopefully they can come back and put themselves... Uh, put themselves right after that defeat um also joining me and the allard in the virtual joint tonight we have martin the dutchman holland how are you the dutchman i'm very well thank you very much mr lane uh sorted out my technology uh, hopefully audible tool <laughs> if that's preferable some people may say not uh, and and looking forward to catching up i've done all my research on the on the big picture so hopefully that hasn't been cancelled and we can talk about what that's going to mean for us well, it looks like the big picture has been cancelled, but yeah, I, I think uh, while, while we're starting on that, it, it, it seems that although the Premier League, um, can, you know, they, they voted for, for, that, for the proposals of Liverpool and Man United to be scuppered, I think, you know, um, you can smell that this is the beginning of, a, of change, you know, it's, uh, 
it's been described as a you know as a power grab by by the, the biggest clubs in the Premier League. Um, strangely, well, maybe not strangely, but worryingly, the you know the the, uh, the the leader of the 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 football league he couldn't have been any more more enthusiastic about it. So uh, it does seem that the, the certainly the, the lower the lower two tiers in the football league um, would support. You know broadly what was what was on the table, um, but you know I, I think it's, it's really much a, it's going to be a watch this space. I don't I don't think any of us are under any delusions that some sort of major restructuring of of, of English football is about to come. Would you, Would you think, Matt? Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I think um, that was you know that was kind of like the first sort of you know throw wasn't it you know this is um this is this this is the opening gambit um the opening gambit being sort of led by liverpool and man united um and basically what they said was lots of things that would would get the efl on side um and um and not so much things that would get the actual people that matter which is the other voting members of the premier league on side so um i guess they're gonna have to work through that and the Dutch, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of companies, um, a lot of organisations, a lot of businesses, really. I mean, like, you know, try to obviously restructure and, you know, use um, what's going on in, in pandemic Britain or pandemic, pandemic Earth um, to, to change the way they do business. I mean, I guess you'd be a very poor businessman if you just try to carry on with the old you know, pre-lockdown mindset. I think ev- everyone in the world has to kind of work out how the new, the new rules and the new situation affects their business, affects them as a as a person, and then uh, you know tries to adapt. But a lot of people did see what Man United and Liverpool, although on the face of it, um, as Matt said, it it may appeal to smaller clubs in in the English game. But a lot of a lot of people um, probably very rightly saw that as uh, just there was an ulterior motive, and there was talk of breakaways, and there was talk about reducing the size of the top flight. So making getting into the Premier League would become more difficult. Staying in the Premier League would become easier. As a, as someone who looks after a fairly size, you know, fairly big business yourself, Dutch, what how how did you see what was what was being proposed and what you see going forward? I think it was such a large paper covering so many different things um, that it's never going to please, is it, when you cover it? I mean, if nothing else, it's got people talking about what they need to be doing, but it was all seemingly led by the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And I think like most businesses to apply the same plan to, you know, saving a, uh, a club like Macclesfield, maybe, you know, if you went back a few months or and then applying that same model to a, um, you know, one of the larger championship clubs is, is very different than to try and apply a one-size-fits-all across is going to be difficult. Uh, and clearly, you, you, you know, as you say, if you're a business and you're in that predicament, there's a lot of businesses, there's a lot of football clubs who would take that offer because the future for them probably is no future. Um, so you know, they're voting for the bits that suit them and probably turning a blind eye to the, the power grab, as, as many people have said, power grab from a land that doesn't really affect them. You know, the chances of the Macclesfields... Um, travelling up to the Premier League uh, are remote and I think teams like us are in that sort of position where we, it could have been us you know we could have been up there um, it's, it, it's got the conversation going but the conversation needs to be led 
I think by, by others, you know, it needs to be led by the people who need the help um, as much as the ones who you know, uh, are faking giving out the help and really they're just trying to concentrate it. And, and the thing that grates with me and most is this arbitrary, you know, who's in that group, you know, teams that say they're big because they were once. I mean, uh, let's, let's wind back to 1930s and we might get one of the big six slots ourselves. You know, which is how far some of these other teams are going back on their uh, on, on their big club status. So it's yeah, it's a moving feast, isn't it? Teams go up, teams go down, and that's the whole the whole beauty of the structure uh, and the way that it works. But it, it's got the conversation going, which I think is a good thing. But I think it needs to be led by others. Yeah, it's a conversation that's going to go and go and go. I think, and with this, these proposals may not. You know, they may not go any further in its current guise, but I just do. I, I, you know, it, it seems inevitable that at some stage, you know, we're going to be looking at a restructure. It's interesting also to, to kind of establish where Brentford's view of themselves now is in the pecking order, because you know, you can, as you rightly say, you can go back to the 30s where we we would probably be able to argue a, a, a place in the top top six, but you know, since since the war we would very much fit into tier three and four and, you know, be looking for scraps that are thrown down. After last season and the finish in third and almost being in the top flight ourselves and, you know, uh, if you believe believe our own hype, we stand every chance of being in the top flight next season. Uh, where, where, where are Brentford now? Do, do we see ourselves as... look? Do we see ourselves as people that are just looking out for ourselves or have we still got kind of a uh, a lower tier uh, mentality or an outlook? Do you, do, you, do you think that's naive to think we're looking after the little boys? Well, I think that, that's part of the problem, isn't it? It's where you see yourself and um, how do you feel about helping other clubs who haven't managed themselves as well as, as we have? You know, it seems to be fairly common thoughts that our business model is probably about as good as it gets right now. Um, for one of the you know, any other time in our history, we'd probably be one of the ones that, with, the, with the begging bowl. Um, so, in a philanthropic position, you know, we want to help all those around us. I'm sure, but would that take away our edge for all the hard work that we've put in over the last ten years in building up this structure and the model um, that we live and breathe, you know, every week and every season um, for a model that perhaps you know provides others who haven't managed themselves in quite the same way, uh, either through you know lack of lack of foresight, lack of ability, or just simple lack of, you know, lack of support. Uh, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's, it's, it? It is a tough one. I think we see ourselves as a team that, I say belong in the Premiership, that sounds an awful thing to say, but, you know, who, who deserve a shot at the Premiership. Um, it's probably the best way of phrasing that. Um, none of us would want any of these um, suggested moves to in any way make that harder to achieve. No. Um, and it's, you know, that threat of repeating myself is something that's really going to go and go. And, you know, the ramifications are that it filters down to what happens with non-league. You know, where, where, where does this pyramid and supporting the pyramid, uh, to, how far does it go down? Are we, are we going to cut, uh, cut, cut them adrift? I can't see that happening. I can't see that being ethical. It, uh, you know, if, if we do have a, a, a you know a, a revolution, for want of a better word, within the game, and um, and you know the, the top uh, broadcasting deals and, and the sponsorship deals benefiting football as a whole, you've actually got to take the, the whole football family as, as part of that, and uh, just make sure that you know f football 
in this country is is part of the, just part of our culture. It's, you know, we, we know how important it is, and it's about protecting all of it, isn't it? It's not just really about the top four divisions, is it, Matt? No, I, I, I guess not. Um, I mean, this, you know, this deal that was on the table, it did include, did include didn't it, some grassroots stuff, etc. Um, I just think that, really, to be honest, I think if you look at the deal and pick the deal apart, um, in terms of the support for the EFL, you probably say there was quite a lot of good things in there. There was stuff like, was it, was it, you know, 20, max 20 quid for away fans, protecting safe standing, all that sort of stuff. But ultimately, that wasn't really what it was all about, was it? It was just about a, a control grab by the biggest, you know, the biggest um, teams. And then, and then who knows what goes on from there? Because the minute that you give them, you know, you, you have voting rights down to the six biggest clubs and they can pretty much put forward what they want to do and um, when they want to do it, then, you know, everything from that point on, all bets are off. You know, you, you might go into it thinking that they're not really going to make any massive fundamental changes, but the bottom line is they would be able to. Um, and that's unfortunately what has clouded potentially some really good stuff. Right. So we're going to have a little twang. And after that twang, we'll come back and we'll talk about probably the biggest story so far um, this week. And it's uh, the fate of Said Ben Rama and the West Ham shenanigan deal. So Said Ben Rama, um, someone who we've been bracing ourselves to lose for the whole of the break, the whole of the transfer window. We saw him be edged back into the team for the Fulham um, Caribou Cup game. He's made a couple of substitutes appearances. Uh, he scored an absolute worldie against Fulham and we just really hoped above hope that he probably was going to stay with Brentford until the January window at the very least. Um, just based on his performance and based by that goal, he was obviously trying. But it does seem that uh, a move looks on the cards to, at, at the moment, it looks on the cards at the moment to, to West Ham United. There's been talk for the last five, six days uh, of different figures. Um, 17, 18 million has been mooted, rising to 25. Um, that doesn't seem enough, in my, in my opinion, to, to, for, for Brentford to get too excited about it. Then we heard about a twenty-five million pound deal rising to thirty, which sounds a little bit more like it. Um, uh, lots of lots of uh, clickbait sites having the inside track on it. Lots of uh, broadsheets and tabloids having an inside track on it, and lots of uh, West Ham Twitter feeds seeming to have an inside track on it. Who knows what's really going on? I guess I think it's probably just one or two DOFs and one or two club owners and the player, maybe. But we've heard a fair amount of talk about like um, going back on promises and uh, so called loyalty bonuses that seem to have sidelined this deal. Matt. How inevitable do you see the departure of Sai Ben Ram before five o'clock on Friday? Or because West Ham are involved, do you kind of never believe anything until it crosses a line? 
It's, you know, if you'd have asked me this question three weeks ago, um, before that Fulham game, I'd have said absolutely nailed on inevitable um, he was going to go. Um, where he was going to go, I didn't really have much idea. And he played the, he played, you know, in the Fulham game, the substitute appearances, and you, and I did start to wonder actually, is he going to go? Maybe he's not, because that seemed to be a slightly different tack to what we've been doing, um, you know, with players that we're that we're about to sell um, in recent years. And I did start to wonder. I think with this, it, I, th- I think it's inevitable he's going to go. Um, apart from the fact it's West Ham. And then you sort of think, mm, because you you just, you know, they're going to... I'd be very surprised if they're not going to drive a harder deal at, you know, at some point. They're not going to, you know, I don't know about play up, but they're going to push for something or and, and, and push it to the limit. I, I, I would imagine they think we're desperate to sell and they may play it that way um so i yeah i i, I can't say i know the answer i'm I, if i'm honest i think he'll go dutchman the the allard touched upon is a, is, a, is a term there that west ham sense that we might be desperate to sell oh do you think we're desperate to, i don't think we're desperate to sell at any cost do you do you no i, I don't think we're remotely desperate to sell I, I do have a feeling that we've decided to sell him I think, you know, I think that's inevitable from the club's point of view. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but someone's got to come in and pay the money for him for that to happen, clearly. And whatever the, the number is, I assume we've been fairly clear about what the number is. Um, and if they've agreed terms with the club, as, as suggested, and agreed terms with the player, clearly there is something else flying around, um, which is you know, mooted to be the loyalty uh, bonus, which is, which is a strange word for sure. Um, but I think it's inevitable that he will go. Um, I don't think we're desperate to sell him, but I think we've decided to sell him. From what I gather, again, these are only Chinese whispers, you know, there's no, there's no way that with the amount of money that's, that's rumoured to be involved in this deal, this, the negotiations and uh, who, who's in the know and who's told what, it's going to be watertight because, you know, if there's £25 million at stake, no one's going to be told anything that could kind of uh, scupper it. But I'm hearing that, you know, the, this loyalty bonus is in very much in inverted commas, could be worth as much as 10% of the total transfer deal to the player, which could be two and a half million quid. Now that may be well wide of the mark, um, but you know it, it, it would indicate that that's the kind of money that would have a player kind of uh, pressing the pause button. Because if, if West Ham are offering him wages um, and he gets any, any, you know, any, any big contract four or five years, in the Premier League, is going to make him a very rich man regardless. So you would kind of say, unless the loyalty bonus was really significant, you just kind of sign the deal or do a do a kind of a compromise deal and just get out and start earning this big silly money contract. Um, but for that kind of money to be at stake, you 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 could kind of see why. Uh, he would want to come back and uh, sit down with the club again, Matt. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, we're not party to it. Is, is this loyalty bonus? Is there, is there something in you know the um, the, the wording of that bonus that means we can um, maybe 
weasel out of it. Is that the right word? If we, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if no, weasel is the right word. No, I don't think it, I don't think weasel is. I mean, you know, so if, if, you know, it, it's obviously more than a gentleman's agreement. It's obviously something contractual. There's obviously some legally binding document there. But, you know, with, you know, we saw Saeed Ben Rama didn't push for a deal or didn't go on strike, for want of a better word, when we came back, um, you know, like some players did, like, like you know, Ivan Tony did um, for, for, for Peterborough. You know, no, although, and, you know, although they didn't play in the end, he wasn't going to play regardless. Um, you know, so he, he actually knuckled down, trained as hard and played as hard as he could all the way through to the end. And that might have been part of the, the loyalty bonus, you know. But, I, you know, if, if, if the, 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 I, the dotted I's and the cross T's aren't relevant anymore and we're not due to pay that money, then obviously you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it, would you? Um, I guess you wouldn't, no. And, um, and, and maybe that's where we are. I mean, who knows? Um, yeah, who knows? So, then, so then, you know, if that needs to be paid or if he feels that needs to be paid, does that fall elsewhere? Does that, is there an agreement? Um, who knows? The, the Dutchman, you know, let's assume he does go and it's, it's £20 million plus. Um, it's going to be non-disclosed, obviously. You know, that's the, that's the way these, these things seem to be. That that would be best part of fifty million quid <laughs> come to us in two signings. Is that is that just dreamland, or is it? Are we, you know, are we actually getting what they're worth? It's, it's just nuts. I mean, we're talking about paying a guy two and a half million pound to leave when you know we didn't pay more than about seven hundred thousand pound for a player up until seven or eight years ago um you know it's, it's 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 just amazing sums of money and you keep reading all these various stats and charts and i read somewhere again but i don't know whether it's true or not but watkins is the most expensive english player i think that's not had previous top league experience again some, some stats i'll probably say that's wrong and i think ben rama would be the second most on those numbers you know we've got the two most expensive players ever um, with that mark and I think that even if you just go all players all time you know Watkins was top five English forwards ever you know this is just 50 million pounds I and mean, this is why the, the big party stuff it's not quite as appealing to us as it would be to to, to Brentford of old I mean, it's just staggering amounts of money and, and absolute respect to everyone at the club for you know creating that reputation that we've now got of you know we, we will agree which players we can sell and we will hold on for that price and as in all business, once you've held out for that price once, twice, three times, people know that you mean business. Um, and I think that allows us to, you know, to stop the West Ham's coming in with their cheeky, you know, 50% bid and thinking that little old Brentford are going to have to succumb at the last minute. Um, because, you know, let's not <laughs> beat about the bush. If he doesn't go, we've got one of the best players we've ever had with us for the rest of the season. Um, that's, and, that's, and that's, that's, assuming, that's assuming that there's no sort of you know hangover from what's happened the last week or so if he doesn't if he doesn't go you know will there be bad blood um as the you know as as the special relationship broken down now um will we see side ben rama in the kind of form that we're you know we're familiar with ever again um we'll find we'll find out by the end of working the working the business working day on on friday 
and that's ahead of obviously the game against Coventry on Saturday. What we'll take a little twang and we'll come back and we'll talk about rumours about possible replacement again in inverted commas and obviously if the transfer window's not shut for people buying our players it's equally not shut for us buying other clubs players either so little twang we'll be right back so we were talking about side ben rama and his imminent probable maybe departure from brentford um, and the fact that the transfer window shuts for us as well, it shuts for everyone else. So there's a chance that if we were to, we are to lose him um, or any other players, which that, there's no there's no kind of rumours that anyone else is on in, in the offing. Um, there's a, there's an there's an option for us to bring someone else in. The name Barry Bannon came up on one or two Twitter feeds earlier. Barry Bannon, for those who don't know him, you probably do know him, you probably know him better than us, is a midfielder who's currently playing for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, he's been at Derby, he's been at Leeds, he's been a few places. Um, he's one of, well, under Carlos Carvajal, he was like one of the stars of the championship. He was Forestieri and... and um, and Bannon, that you, you heard, heard their names mentioned a lot. Um, and obviously, there's been a bit of a demise at Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough. Uh, they went from a, an absolute certainty to get promoted to be a perennial failure. And now they've had a points deduction. Um, and they are, they are kind of not, not doing so great in the championship. So for us to be sniffing rounds or linked with their better players is... A bit of a coup, I would say. Uh, Mr. Allard, Barry Bannon, where would you see him playing? I mean, I, I, I he's not, he's not a, he's not a Ben Rama replacement. Is he? He's more of a central midfielder. No, I, I, and I think the first thing we should say is, you know, I, I'm not really sure that we should be taking this with a pinch of salt, and whether there is, you know, there is anything in this rumor. However, it's quite, you know. It's quite interesting to talk about it. So let's let's let's, let's feel there five is. minutes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> let's feel. Yeah, let's feel. And let's say there is something in it. Um, he's not a replacement for Side Ben Rama um, at all. He doesn't play there. Uh, he's uh, he could probably play in one of the midfield positions. Uh, he's probably not really a holding midfielder. I think he has played quite deep for Sheffield Wednesday. And um, I seem to remember him playing a two-man midfield, and they were both quite deep. He's always looked a decent player, but I wonder if he, if we, if let's let's say we were trying to sign him, he doesn't. Because if I can just go back to that, he doesn't feel like the sort of player we sign. He's thirty, right? And he's yeah. it just it doesn't doesn't sort of sit right. But say we were, um, <laughs> he could <laughs> he could play he could play as one of the attacking of the three midfielders. So. Traditionally, Norgard holds Jensen and Marcondes, Jensen and De Silva, De Silva and Marcondes are the attacking. He could play in one of those two positions, I guess. And um, he's a decent footballer, isn't he? So, you know, so, I, I, I can see him fitting into one of those positions. So, so after talking about that, uh, that's this, this signing for the last minute, Dutchman, we're not signing him, are we? <laughs> Should we make up another player as well? Go, yeah. go with that one for two, pretty, 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 uh, two, two, two DOFs. <laughs> At our club, and 
and and and, a, and an agent going, "What the hell? Are they, what the hell are these boys talking about?" <laughs> it is a random one, though, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of interesting to talk about the type. Yeah, whether there is a, a type of player that we sign. Um, yeah, and obviously, Pontus was the the recent exception to that. And as as, as Matt says, you certainly wouldn't expect if you went through all the players in the division we were looking at, he'd probably be somewhere near the bottom in terms of who we thought we might get. But he, yeah, he's, he's a decent player. Uh, for sure, but I'm I'm not sure there's anything in it. I, and and I think if we go back to to actually, would we sign him? No, because he's 30, etc., um, etc. Et would we sign him because technically he's good and he could fit into our team? That that's a different answer. You know, he's he, he's always been one of those players that stands out. And you sort of look. I've always looked at him and thought, you know, he he's a player that would probably do well in our system, and has probably spent a long time, you know, playing to some extent at Sheffield Wednesday, but also at other clubs, you know, sort of watching the ball go over his head to some extent. Um, so, you know, he's, um, yeah, he, he doesn't feel like a fit in terms of his age and, and his experience, but in terms of his ability, yeah, I guess he does. And Is that because he's short, Matt? <laughs> yeah, he's short <laughs> and he's technically good, yeah. <laughs> but that's why the ball goes over his head all the time, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think you hit on quite, a, quite an important point there, Matt, is the fact that, there's probably a thousand players in, in Europe that would do a brilliant job in our team, could fit in, come in, play very, very well, and might even actually make us a better better team. But without, you know, once you've taken their their age into account or they've taken their injury, there's a there's a there's a lot of other circumstances that make a Brentford signing. The actual the actual play is is you know is part of that decision making. But you know, it's the sell on. It's the wages. It's the you know whether we can buy him, and you know we, we've got we've got the heads up on on everyone else, and you know I I just think that as you said you know the the fact that he could come in and probably do a really good job is is kind of neither here nor there really. I, I do you know do you know what though we probably would have if if we'd have been doing a podcast just literally an hour or two after we'd been linked with Pontus Janssen, we'd all be saying the same thing, wouldn't we? Yeah, do you think? Do you think? Actually, while we just mentioned Pontus Janssen, Dutchman, um, you, had, you you said he uh, could have been at fault for one of uh, one of Portugal's goals tonight. Yeah, I only saw it first time round. I haven't seen it. He gave away a free kick shortly before it, and then he seemed to be playing everybody onside. So when you see that goal, I might look an idiot, and I've completely misread that. But that was certainly my first impression of it. So I think we ought to move on. This Barry Bannon <laughs> nonsense that we're talking. Um, so this, we're talking about we, we we touched upon the international window, and uh, you know in, England seems to be struggling to do anything against Brentford's B team tonight, um, and uh, we'll see how that one pans out. But what we have seen is Josh De Silva, he played um, a couple of couple of games for England under twenty ones um, during the break. Dutchman, you said you quite liked what you saw. Yeah, I thought the first game he, he looked good. I mean, he's, he's obviously very comfortable. I mean, he, he personally did very well uh, against the mighty, mighty Andorra, um, which <laughs> I'm sure the result soured his um, his um, his memories of that game. But he scored a goal and he he, he looked he looks good. You know, he looks good every time he gets the ball. Doesn't we know what he's like? Um, but the second game, it's interesting when you watch these games now as a Brentford fan. You know, just watching almost individuals rather than the game. And, just enjoying how they play, and I mean, he was taken off after about an hour or so, I think, in the second one when I watched it. And they, they were getting a bit overrunning the midfield, but it's quite interesting when you watch them see how you know 
England don't play the way that, that Brentford do. You know, I could see him on the 18-yard line just waiting for that cutback and then watching, you know, Nketiah and others just drive for goal and shoot forward and you're screaming at the team, cut it back to Josh, you know. It's, um, so it's different, but I, I thought he acquitted himself um, very well. Um, you know, we also had Halil at the other end, um, who, you know, who was involved. Um, dubious penalty, both in the winning of it and the, <laughs> the missing of it. Um, from him, but he scored a good goal at the end. Again, yeah, he looks lively. He looks like he knows how to finish. But um, it's just I'm, I'm loving watching watching these games. Games I wouldn't have any interest in really, and watching them just from an aspect of a Brentford fan, and you know, being very proud of seeing players, Josh in particular, uh, play the way he played. Uh, he's going to be a star. And you know, we've uh, we've we saw that um, Tarek Fosu he scored. For Ghana against Qatar, again, you know, not not probably the best opposition with we're, but but an international goal is an international goal, and uh, you know we 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 have touched upon this in in previous international break podcasts, but just how incredible it is to see pretty much our whole squad involved at some level of international football, whether it's uh, you know in this in the UEFA Nations League at the moment we've got like the top tier. Matches we've got in, you've got Brentford players that or ex Brentford players that might be involved in this later on or next season in terms of Ollie Watkins and almost certainly you, you would have had Norgard playing in this one tonight had he not going crocked. Um, not sure if Jensen's gonna get any minutes, but obviously Dowsgard's on the bench as well. So you know, and then obviously all the way through the youth levels, you've got you've got Brentford players playing literally all the way around the world. It's, Matt, it's it's just a it's a probably the best best time for a broad range of talent in our squad. Yeah, it's, it's you know we re, I think we return to this quite a lot on the podcast, don't we? But it's, it's stuff we would have dreamt of um, eight or nine years ago, even maybe even six or seven years ago. You know, just to see all these players heading off on international duty. You know, there, there was a point where well, there was a long time where we didn't have any players heading off on international duty. We might have had a Maltese um, sweeper heading off on international duty, but that was, that was about it for many, many years, you know? And it's just sort of, it's just amazing, isn't it, really? What a transformation it's been. And I just sort of, you, you, you do have to pinch yourself sometimes to, to remind yourself, you know, of, of, of where we are. And, and I, think, um, I think it's worth bearing this in mind when, when we talk about a lot of young, some of the younger supporters who demand and expect, you know, success, constant success, basically get into the Premier League and, and 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 I think you know I think it's when when people like us sort of look back and think geez all these how exciting it is to have all these players out on international duty just as Dutch was talking about we wouldn't have had this conversation probably seven or eight years ago or even dreamt of it I couldn't agree more with you it's just uh it's just just to see you know opportunity uh you know, if you come to Brentford, you'll be probably given, a, a, you know, promoted in your international, uh, you know, set up as well. You know, there's, there's so many people that are coming here and then the opportunities are open, opening for them, not only to play at an incredible standard at Brentford, um, but also, you know, if you excel, you can get a 20 million, 25 million pound deal um, to go elsewhere if we can't keep you. And then obviously the international recognition and, uh, 
you know, just just to take your career to a different level is uh, is just it's it's a it's a stepping stone. We obviously have to make sure that we get promoted at some stage, but uh, that'll be the icing on the cake. But if we can't do that, then keeping our club sustainable is just you know the be all and end all. I'd say. Not to mention a two and a half million pound loyalty bonus as well, Laney, if they do well. Well, you seem to be loyal to this podcast, <laughs> I would say, for for at least five years. What would what would you what do you actually what would you what what are you worth, Dutch? What are you worth as a as a loyalty bonus? What would you be happy? What I take, what I take right now, mate, is a pint in a pub with you two and the rest of the gang. That's what I'd take in real life. Yeah, lad, what are you worth? That um that stout they've got down at Real Ale, what was it? It was about fifteen percent. They got it on tap, and you can buy it by the what what those bottles you take you can take in with you, which is a you know a liter or two pints or whatever. One of them will do me. I think I'm worth that. I'll be happy with a new YouTube clip of John Terry's mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Moving on. I've got, I've got no one to edit me out this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll have a little, little twang. And then I've got a bit of a bits, bits, bits and bobs of roundup, and then we'll kind of move into this weekend. We've got Coventry City coming to New Griffin Park. So have a twang and then a little bit of a roundup. So you'll never guess what, Mr. Allard. Go on, have yeah. a guess. No, you tell me. Well, what am I guessing? We've had a review, we've had a new review on iTunes and it's a very good review. I'm not only reading it, it? I am I am only reading it because it's good. It's, is, is it does it involve liberal Nick? No, it doesn't. I've not made any up this week. I have not had the time. I'll make some more I'll make some more up for next week. Ealing Libero has said these words about us. A great podcast on all things Brentford. It's ethos that the only thing that can ruin football is the football itself is spot on regularly has fans on on from other clubs to give their perspective on upcoming fixtures plenty of passion without the myopia really enjoying the new features spreadsheet winker looking at stats who doesn't love a bit of xg keep up the good work the ealing libero what a what an intelligent young man he is eh? Um, we've also had, believe it or not, we know we, we said about this new Kofi, buy us a drink. So if you go to ko-fi.com forward slash besotted, if you like what we do, there's a really good, cool way of just buying us a beer, really. You can, you can give us enough money to buy us a beer each. And some people have done exactly that. So thank you very much for Robert Keane. He's bought us a coffee. Um, Dave Goodman, thank you very much, Dave. Fleet John, he's bought us a beer. And someone else, yeah, QF, that's the last couple of days. Thank you, you lot, for buying us a coffee or a beer or whatever it is you want to pledge. Um, If you like what we do and you love what we do, then there's no pressure on you. But if you really do want us to buy us a beer and say thank you and say cheers, then feel free. If you don't like what we do, then fine. You can email us and let us know where we're going wrong. What would you like to see more of? What would you like to see less of? And if you hate what we do, then whatever. So um, so there you, you go. You can still buy us a beer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> buy, us, buy us two beers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, thank you to all those people. 
Um, the other things is it's a couple of other things, bits and bobs that are happening. More, this is more than bits and bobs. I have to say, is that the new revised, updated, final Griffin Park books arrived from the printers on Friday. I personally, I am so excited to get these books back from the printers. Uh, I'm so proud of the way they've come out. I've seen, I've not seen them physically yet, but I've seen photographs. It's a solid matte black, 400 page, big, beautiful book of Griffin Park. And on the front of the book, the revised copies is solid gold Griffin Park foil. And then the, the years. 1904 to 2020 um it's a book of remembrance pretty much now which sounds quite sad none of us had an opportunity to say goodbye to griffin park properly so uh there was a, an incredible amount of brentford fans that bought it to get their name in the book in sort of late july and august to uh to get their names into the revised editions uh there's about 30 or 40 extra pages that cover the final couple of years, some brilliant fan pictures of the final fans in the stadium game against Sheffield Wednesday, that incredible 5-0 game. And there's also, uh, you know, pictures from the, the lockdown matches of the, you know, the, 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 the canvases on the seats, the flags in the stadiums, the final goal, the, you know, the playoff games. Um, so, there's a lot in there that you, you haven't seen. And also, if you haven't bought the book yet, then there'll be uh, a proper launch. A or it'll be a virtual launch, but I'm going to try and get Thomas Frank and some of the players involved at the, uh, the training ground. So look out for, for that on the official Brentford website. It will be available in the club shop and from the club shop um, and then from Legends Publishing. So there'll be lots of publicity around it including the, um, the the upcoming Brentford Reimagined book as well. So that's a brand new book full of full of beautiful colourised photographs by Brendan um, Nevin, who's worked tirelessly during this year and during lockdown on, on just restoring some amazing photographs and then bringing them back to life by adding a whole new dimension of colour, which wouldn't, which wasn't originally uh, including in these old black and white pictures. So that's two bits of news from me um, um, in, on the book front. Um, there's also, I don't know if you've seen, um, the, there's a scheme out at the moment to get a photograph that was taken pretty much from where you sat at Griffin Park. So this, a company went in and they took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photographs from all the way around Griffin Park. Um, so the, if it's not actually from your seat, it will be almost next door to your seat. You can tip, you can punch into their system where you sat and you can get a picture of, of that view that you used to have. It's a, it's 10 quid. It's only 10 quid, which I think is a bit of a no brainer, but even more so. And the thing that's got us, uh, got us promoting it is that a pound from every copy goes to um, the Rob Rowan's uh, uh, Cry Charity Fund. So we're raising money for one of, one of Brentford's sons, someone who, will, someone who has played a huge part in where we've got to as a team at the moment, um, and then someone who won't be forgotten because 
you know, he, he tragically got, got, you know, cut down in his youth. Um, and, you know, it, his legacy is that there's young players will continue to come through. So we will support what is his incredible legacy and an incredible fund. So if you want a picture of yourself, um, sorry, a picture of how you used to see uh, Griffin Park from your seat, then you all you need to do is head over to mymo.live forward slash Brentford fan. That's mymo.live forward slash Brentford fan and just order a photo for a tenner. Um, there's that and... Laney, sorry, Laney, can I interject for one? Can I just, because someone asked me about it. Um, if you stand as well, you can also get a picture from where you stand. Um, it's, it's not just seats, so it just might be worth mentioning. You can get a view from your terrace if you're an Ealing Road boy like us. Nice one. Yeah, so for a tenner, it's a bit of a no-brainer. So the money, money's to a good cause. So that brings us back, really, to this weekend coming. Project Restart, again, we can call it, because I think we had a, a bit of a shock, a bit of a shock to our system. That Preston North End game at half-time, I wouldn't say we were coasting 2-0, but it looked like the game was won. And then at the end of the match, we were sat there traumatised by what we'd just seen. And there was a 15, 20-minute period where we looked the shakiest team in the world. Coventry City come to town. We've, we've not seen Coventry City. We've not seen the Sky Blues at, at, uh, in our manor for a few years. Um, I, I, it's one of my regrets, actually. I never saw Coventry at Highfield Road. Um, I've seen them at the Rico. I've seen them at Northampton. Um, I've, I've seen Coventry play at a couple of places, but I've, I've never seen them actually play in Coventry, I don't think. Anyone seen Coventry in Coventry here? Yeah, I, I I went to Highfield Road. Um, uh, I went with a mate of mine, and I, I, to be honest, it wasn't that memorable. But I did go there. I, I think what was interesting about it at the time, it was probably the only all-seater stadium in the whether it was you know the first division or the or the Premier League. It was a sort of you know I suppose something that became the norm in future years. So. I do remember do remember seeing that, and that was a bit weird. It was a bit different to to any to any other stadium, I think, at the time. Yeah, I, 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 you know, as I said, I, I don't I don't regret many things, and it's, I, what I regret is not sort of seeing the teams play at their old traditional grounds. I think more than anything else, I, you know, the, I I didn't see Southampton at the Dell for many years, and then all of a sudden we did we get we got them, and I and I had a chance to go there. Not that it was a particularly nice stadium, but I just think you know, if you, that for, for 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 fans like us that have been round to the majority of stadiums all the way around the country, you know, there was a time where it was almost like, you know, there was a ticking time bomb that if you hadn't seen a team play at their at their their, their traditional ground, you weren't going to do it because the, the new stadiums were were coming and uh, you know the, the traditions were going to end. So before we start talking about. Coventry City and what we think is going to happen. Let's head over to Dave from Sky Blue Extra podcast. Um, let Dave tell us how he sees this weekend's fixture panning out. So the international break is over and we have got a big game on Saturday. 
well, all games are big game, but this is a big game because we need to get back on track at the Brentford end because it didn't quite end the way we wanted to before the international break. We've got Coventry coming to down. We haven't played Coventry for such a long time when we were back in Division 1. And I have got no idea what's going on in Coventry, so I thought I'm going to get my chum, my buddy Dave from Sky Blues Extra, who's going to give us a bit of a lowdown on what's going down in Coventry. Dave, how are you doing? Very well, Billy. Yeah, how are you? you OK? I'm not bad, not bad, mate. I'm feeling quite relaxed after the international break. I saw a bit of a, a bit of live football, like I said to you, uh, over, over over the break or just before the break as well, actually. Like I said to you, I, I, I was actually standing on the terraces, saw a few England games during the break, and I'm actually feeling now a little bit more potty for the football because before the break, I was a bit despondent after we lost the game 4-2 against PNE in, in in quite a bad way. How about yourself? Yeah, a bit the same, really. Sort of looking forward to getting back to the club football um have watched the the friendlies and and the games uh, for england but with not having anyone involved our end it doesn't always uh, make it's not the most exciting uh, for us coventry fans i can't remember the last uh, international we had i think you're probably going back to like Dion dublin for that so um it's not the most exciting for us guys so yeah i'm really looking forward to getting back um you know back into club football and, and hopefully um a bit of a result uh, off the back of uh, uh, you know a, a bit of a hammering against Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, that's all, that's all right for you. I mean, at least you've had players that played for England. I mean, I mean, the last Brentford player to play for England. I mean, in in my lifetime, it has it hasn't happened, as they say. I mean, Ollie Watkins may be playing for them in 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 the near future, but he's not playing for them anymore. I mean, we've had a few playing for the under twenty ones this window. You know, Josh De Silva was playing for the under twenty ones as well, but it's Tarek Fosu who's taken the headlights because he actually scored his first goal for Ghana. He played on his, on his Ghanaian debut. So I think that's what's got the Brentford fans most excited, actually. You know, they're all, they've all switched their eyes to Ghana, actually. So, listen, Coventry, OK, I mean, welcome to the Championship, as I say. I mean, it's, it's not been the easiest ride for you back in the Championship, has it? No, I mean, I think we started, we started you know, life back in the Championship started OK. Um, it was a positive result, I think, against Bristol City, albeit we um, conceded after something like 13 seconds, which was a, a stark reminder of, of how difficult and how much you've just got to be switched on. And, and perhaps we were a little naive, but we grew into the game and we've got some some players that I think at the start of the season, we may have been worried whether they could make that step up. But I think a lot of them are proven that they can. So um, there was some positives to come out of that game. Uh, against Bristol City, who you'd think would probably be around the mid-table sort of um, element. And that was a good yardstick, I think, for us. I mean, last season, obviously, you... Uh, I mean, the, the Division One league was curtailed. I mean, slightly different to our league as well, because we actually finished our league to the end. But, you know, yours was curtailed and you ended up becoming champions. So were you, you know, what were you expecting? Because, I mean, you had a pretty good season last season, didn't you? Yeah, we did, of course. And um, our football last season was just second to none. We controlled the games. Um, we had so much possession. And I think that's what the big difference is of us coming into this league, is that we're not going to have those that time where we controlled a game and, and, and feel really comfortable. But last season, obviously, really, really well. Brilliant. Um, and, and fully fully deserved, I think, um, our ch you know championship and title. But at the same time, we knew it was going to be a big step up. Um, but I think it's actually suited 
a lot of the, the way that we play. Mark Robbins has always played football. He, he likes to play football. He plays out from the back, which some, some people will think it gets us into trouble at times. But we do like to play the, you know, the football, and, and that's hopefully we're a bit more suited to, to this, um, this league. And, and and it's interesting because you played last season, um, you didn't play at your ground. I mean, you've got all sorts of shenanigans going on, which we probably won't go into too much. But obviously, you know, you had your stadium, which we went to, which is the Rico Stadium. And uh, as Brentford fans, we went there quite a few times um, when we were in Division One. And then we went to Northampton when you played there as well. But you're not playing at either of those two places. Ironically, you're actually playing at a place that Brentford were actually massive rivals with through the whole of the 90s, aren't you? I mean, that must have been quite strange actually playing in Birmingham City. Yeah, um, especially for us. So I, I, I travel from London to, to the games, actually, to Coventry, and you have to go past Coventry Station to go to Birmingham uh, on that train from Houston. So it is always a bit grim when you sort of drive, you know, on the train, you go past there and you, you, you're not getting off at Coventry. It is weird, but at the same time, it's a good playing surface. Um, obviously, now football being behind closed doors, uh, which is, is obviously terrible, awful and, and just so so frustrating but we understand why so we, we're used to playing with a small crowd I'd, I'd say um, at St Andrews and um, playing away from home so hopefully that may have helped us a little bit but it doesn't you know it didn't hinder us last year and I don't think it will again this year to be honest. So, so just coming back to this season, like I said to you, Bristol City, you lost first game Bristol City QPR. I watched that game actually on the box when you when you gave them a, gave them a bit of a bit of a hiding on the TV as well. And I, I was very happy about that because, as you know, QPR and Brentford, a little bit of a West London rivalry going on there as well. Exactly. And then Barnsley, um, you know, I think you drew against Barnsley, you know, so you've got the sort of you've got your, you win your draw and you lost there. And then it came to the fourth one, which you thought you might be able to sort of kind of nail your, your flag to the mast. And you played muff, as we call them, born muff on uh, last weekend, uh, the weekend before the international break. And that went quite horribly wrong. I mean, what went wrong there? I think just that 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 did show, you know, four or five weeks ago, six weeks ago, perhaps we're in, you know, League One. OK, albeit as champions and, and they're in the premiership. So I think we've been saying this on our own podcast that the, the, the differences in the two squads are, are obviously huge, but they just were very much quicker than us, stronger. Mentally, they were ahead of us, I think. They, they play the ball and shift it around so fast. Before you know it, it's gone left to right. And we were just caught out of position. You can see that from the goals. But it was, a, it was also a frustrating one because we lost Gus Hamer now through uh, ascending off, which was very interesting. Um, not to say he didn't deserve it, but in the run-up to it, you would have equally liked to perhaps seen you know, the other rival player that, that sort of wound him up get sent off so we're gonna he's a big miss for us um Gus and he's a he's a big playmaker but I think it was just it was it sounds awful to say but it did have that men versus boys uh sort of feeling about it that game and everything was happening a little bit too quick for us um and we just couldn't really keep up I think and a few um an early-ish goal again uh, and we just we, we just struggled, I think, to match Bournemouth, and, and they showed that why they possibly will be going up as as champions, or definitely be there or thereabouts come the end of the season and getting back into the Premiership. And talking about boys, I mean, one of our boys, 
ended up joining you um zane westbrook as we call him friend of the pod uh, friend of besotted podcast um you know zane really really good chap he's really really good laugh and, and and a really good player we chatted to him quite a lot we had him on the podcast as well i think i, I, think, I can't remember which podcast it was on also i think it was when we went over to um as you do we went over to dundalk to our CRB team player in Dundalk on a Wednesday night, as you do. And uh, if you listen to that, Pride of West London, just check it out. Brentford and Besotted, go and check out the B team in Dundalk. What a laugh night that was. But again, like I said to you, Zane Westbrook was out there. We chatted to them, chatted all the B team players. And then he made a move where he decided that he didn't want to continue life in the B team, but he wanted to join Coventry to try and get first team action. Um, how was he for you? Uh, to be honest, I haven't got a bad word to say about Zane. He was um, he was instrumental in us um, going up last season, uh, and it was possibly a, an interesting decision from Mark Robbins as to why he was allowed or wasn't going to be in the, the you know the plans for the championship. Without knowing the ins and outs, maybe he felt that he wouldn't make that step up to the championship. Um, he was bringing new players in that would be obviously in, in and around those positions. Um, we had Marcel Hilsner that's joined. Um, he hasn't featured for us yet. Gus Hamer, of course. Um, Sheaf, who's joined as well. Um, so there was there was possibly that was the centre of the park sort of position that that Mark Robbins knew he had to strengthen and, and perhaps that's why he was happy to see you know Zane you know go the other way and, and, and move on to to Bristol Rovers but again couldn't say anything bad about Zane I thought he was a really good um, you know ball player uh, made a lot of things happen him and him and Walsh sort of together in the middle of the park last season um, at times made things happen for us and and actually I think he's a really really great little player and um, it was a big big shock I think for the Sky Blues fans to see Zane go but uh, like we always say in Robins we trust and he's done well to get us from you know the the depths of of English football up to the championship and you sort of have to just trust the uh, trust him and and his his you know what, what he wants to do with the club but at the same time I think a lot of people felt it was odd that Zane went so Saturday, you've got the Robins, you've got oh, well, Mark Robins, and you've got you know uh, Coventry coming down to as we call it New Griffin Park. So our new stadium, you're coming down there. Um, you've got some new players. You've got your players that you know won you the league last season. How are you going to cause us problems? Who's going to cause us problems out there? Yeah, exactly. Well, the first problem is is that unfortunately we can't attend, and albeit old Griffin Park's gone, but even, I would settle now for a can on each corner of new Griffin Park, I think, because uh, it used to be the pubs, didn't it? But I'd settle for a can of Fosters on each corner. At least I'd be at a, a game. But yeah, I think causing you trouble, Matty Godden's obviously made a, a great start to life in the championship, um, scoring... Um, God, I'm having to rack my brain now, but he scored in, in every fixture bar the Barnsley um, draw, of, of course, which was a, a, a nil-nil. But So he would be hoping to lead the line against you guys, and, and he puts himself about, he wins headers, he's strong in the air, so he would be someone that I'd be keeping an eye out for. Um, in the middle of the park, it's going to change quite dramatically with Gus, I would have said, would have been our main ball player, and he makes things happen. He sort of sits off the, off the, off the uh, game, and he sort of pings ball 
falls around and, and makes driving runs. But without him, it's going to be a, a little bit tricky. So who knows what Mark Robbins is going to do? He might be forced into bringing Tyler Walker, of course, uh, a, a summer transfer for the Sky Blues. And he may come in and we're yet to see what he can really do. He played um, in one of the Carabao Cup fixtures uh, earlier on in the season. But he would be someone also that may come into the fold. And if he is, he could cause some problems as well. Defensively, we've got Carl uh, McFadseen. He's a very old and trusty centre-back, and I think he'll give your strikers uh, a few things to, to worry about. Yeah, we know the McFadseen. He's been around for a while as well. And obviously, from Brentford's point of view, you know, will Ben Rama be in? Will he not be out? There's all sorts of malarkey going beside Ben Rama. He is a game-changer, as you know, but you know, the chances are that he probably won't be playing on Saturday because he probably will be playing for another team as well. And also, Norgard, very important player, our centre-back. He's our linchpin, not centre-back. He's our defensive central midfielder as well, our linchpin, who got injured before the international window. And I don't know, it's probably unlikely that he's going to be back as well. So it'll be interesting. But there's one player who played for us who scored a couple of goals in our last game who uh, well he, he in effect he replaced Ollie Watkins and he's a very important player for us but you know him very well Ivan Tony. what's he like and has he caused you problems before? Of course yeah he's certainly cost us uh, a few points um, he rescued a, a point for Peterborough last season um, in a game where it saw Max Biamu actually for Coventry score a really great bicycle kick or scissor kick but um, Ivan Tony, yeah he, he is a man that could cause us some problems and uh, hopefully McFadsen can get on him early and and um, you know, defence. We've got a great, you know, we've got a great centre back part in. So hopefully, not too much troubles. But o- Ivan Tony is someone I'd be worried about and scared. And he, he has scored against the Sky Blues before, um, and hopefully he doesn't do it again this week. Okay, so so listen, David. Saturday, big game. Bees, Sky Blues, the Coventry, Brentford. Give us a score prediction. Oh, it's very tough. I don't want to be negative. It, it, it feels like a really tough game for the Sky Blues to go up against Brentford. You know only very close um, themselves to being promoted last season possibly and I think really if I could grab, if I could we could scrape a one-all draw or, or even a nil-nil I'd be a happy man of walking away of a point away from uh, the new Griffin um, but I, I can see it, it can be a difficult game and I think we may well lose okay well let's see how it goes listen David how could people get hold of you and your podcast yeah, brilliant. If they want to, they just need to search Sky Blues Extra on online, on Twitter. We're on Instagram, Facebook, um, and also YouTube, and they can watch some of our previous podcasts with some of our players. Okay, listen, Dave, great chatting to you, mate. And listen, we'll probably have a little chat after the match. Brilliant. Thanks, Billy. That's what Dave from Sky Blue Extra thought about what could happen this weekend. Mr. Allard, are you excited or are you nervous about about Brentford getting back to uh, league action um I'm I'm a little bit nervous because I think there's some big questions there's a big hole in this Brentford team for this weekend which is the assumed absence of uh, Christian Norgard and that's not to say that you know we, we we know either way or we have any inside um knowledge but I think from what I understand, from what I've read, um, the official stuff, it looks unlikely he'll play on Saturday. And um, I think that's, uh, I, I, that makes me nervous because we then have to figure out what we're going to do. Um, you know, what are the options? How are we going to cope with him not playing? There are a few options. There's Baptiste, but I seem to recall he's injured as well. So that sort of is possibly out the window. So then you can throw in um, our new signing, 
Vitali Janout. Is that how we pronounce it? Um, he played for the B team, didn't he? We understand he's a he's a sort of a tough tackling midfielder. He could potentially play, you know, in front of the in front of the back four. Um, and after that, it's going to be something very different that we're going to do. I mean, not that that's not different in itself. It's Dutchman, you know, Co- Coventry have obviously come up from League One this season. They've had a they've had a, they've had a so-so start to this to the campaign they've beaten qpr i think that's their their only victory so far um they've lost a couple they lost the last time out they lost three one at home to bournemouth um so you know but bournemouth are on a bit of a roll so you know that's that's fair enough um and then the week before they drew nil nil at barnsley so there's there's they they can they can score um they can concede do you think that we, we're just going to be too strong for them or do you think we need to be a bit careful? I think we should get too down about Preston, albeit it was dreadful. I mean, it was truly dire in places, but you have to assume that's a one-off. We're not going to become a bad team overnight, regardless of whether Norgard plays or, or not, or even whether Ben Rama plays or not. You know, we should have enough about us. I know it's a bit different these days and if we say home, the home form and you know, we're always confident about our home game. That's slightly different now when we're not there. But I still think we, you know, we are a good, good team. Not top, top, but good, good, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I don't know that much about Coventry in, in their current thing. They're formed similar to us, isn't it, at the start? Um, but yeah, you, it's going to be worrying if we were suddenly as bad as we were again. Um, you know, there'd be real questions if there was two in a row that bad. That's not to say about the results, but more about the performance. But yeah, if, if, I think as long as we, we, I want us to remain positive. I thought even you know against Preston, we were on the back foot from the start um, without reanalyzing that one too much. Even when we were tuning up, none of us really thought we deserved you know to be ahead with alone tuning up. And you know, we've got to be on the front foot. And our best performances um, come when we when we attack from the start, in my view. And we don't allow teams to impose on us. I think if we, if we get going uh, and get started, uh, I think we'll be fine. And I, I, it'd be nice to see one of one or two of the new players. Um, whether that's Godos or um, Janelt or yeah, whatever. We, you know, we're going to have a couple of changes, aren't we? But um, I, I remain confident. Yeah, we need, I think you're right. We need to just get out and strangle them, and, you know, for, for want of a better, better analogy. Um, I think also importantly is the fact that uh, if, uh, if, if Norgard is missing, we have to prove that we can cope without him. I, I, I think... You know, there's a, the, the fact that there's a chance of him not playing. Um, we have to prove that the squad can cope with that. And we, we there's a way of rejigging what we've already got. So there's we, we don't look as fragile as we did in that, in that, in that awful 18 minutes uh, against Preston. Um, so there's a lot, I think there's a lot to be looking forward to there's I, I think there's a lot to be quite nervous about but hopefully after 90 minutes we would have proved that it was a blip that's that's the thought that's the hope before i ask you what your predictions are going to be let's hear jonathan virtual's jb stat attack and then we'll stick our necks on the line and give ourselves a score prediction over to you jb Hi, Jonathan Virtual here again. Statistically, we're not at our best after an international break, 
We've had seven under Thomas Frank, and in the next game back, we've lost four with just two wins and a draw. But counter that with our record under the recent games behind closed doors. Since football restarted, we played 20, winning 13 of them, drawing one and losing six. Which makes predicting the result against Coventry quite tricky. But nothing like it was this very week back in 1963, when the Bees had just lost 5-2 at home to Bristol Rovers on the Saturday, and were slow hand-clapped off the pitch at the end of the game. Next up on the Tuesday night, the 15th of October, were Wrexham. Absolutely no one would have predicted the scoreline of 9-0, Brentford's biggest ever league victory. Strikingly, there were no hat-trick heroes, three players scored two goals, Billy McAdams, Johnny Brooks and new signing Di Ward, with other goals from Johnny Hales, George Summers and an own goal. The 3,000 fans who decided to stay away from the Saturday's defeat must have been kicking themselves. And a little known fact is that win was the first league victory under the new floodlight towers which had been installed during the closed season. Thanks for that. That was, uh, that was interesting, was it? wasn't it, lads? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know me, I, lo- I love a stat. I love a stat, Lainey. Oh, yeah, you love a stat. Yeah, yeah, you're a big, you're a big, stat- big stats, man. <laughs> so, before we wrap this one up, go round the table, the virtual table, the Dutchman. What's the score going to be on Saturday against Coventry City? I am going to go with a relatively comfortable 2-0 Bs. Mr. Allard? 1-0 Bs, a um, bit of a grind. I'm going to go 3-1 Brentford. It's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about thing. Every little thing is going to be all right. So that's my prediction. So I'm going to wrap this one up. Again, hope you enjoyed it. If you like what we do, go and buy us a coffee. ko-fi.com forward slash besotted. Billy... We'll probably be back from the pub after the game on Saturday. He'll be down the globe speaking to the boys and girls about the results. We'll be elsewhere in a separate bubble. Um, Hopefully we won't be going into lockdown again anytime soon. So the chances of returning to football physically may happen. We're all looking forward to that. So all that's left really for me to say is, will you join me? In a come on, you bees! Come on, you bees! Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.